0: You know, today, as we gather together in this place, if you read the congregational email that we sent out this last week, I have this, this emotional feeling this week, like an old roller coaster, that moment, you know, when it starts to ratchet up, you know? No, none of you have ever been on a roller coaster. Okay, where it's ratcheting up, and then there's this moment for you where you recognize, I've never been on this particular roller coaster before either. And so for us, the the surge of emotions when you've never been on that roller coaster before, you don't know which direction to lean. You don't know exactly what you're getting yourself into. But for me, there's this tremendous sense of anticipation and excitement. You have been so generous as a church family to us. And so as we anticipate this day, there's there's a moment for me where we say we cover your prayers. There's no question about it. And if you haven't had the privilege of joining the Wednesday night prayer time here, I had the privilege to join. That was one of the things I was warned about Hope Church is that it is a praying church. And for those of us who gathered together on Wednesday night, I felt like there was a, a realization of a statement the Christian and missionary Alliance was founded on one of its core values is it says that prayer is the primary work of god 's people and as I came here on Wednesday night, I found myself saying, "This is the kind of thing I want to be a part of and I also believe, as we 've reflected on the sermons that we 've heard recently i 'm so thankful for Pastor Jim and for um, uh, the, those who have, have filled this pulpit. And one of the messages that we heard had this very simple statement. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever remains in me and I in him, he will bear much. Do you remember what it says? Very much fruit. But then it goes on to say, but apart from me, you can accomplish. Do you remember what that word is? Nothing. And I, and I think for me, as I've really reflected on this week, preparing for this message and this chance to be with you, that there's an overwhelming sense for me of uh, this isn't about gifting, this isn't about education, this isn't about, this is about just calling, and it's also about the Lord being the author and perfecter of our faith, um, that this is about Him, right? And so I'm expectant, and I'm going to ask you to join me as we go to the throne of grace, and as we thank the Lord for this opportunity to study His word together. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for this church. I am humbled and honored with the opportunity to stand before this congregation and I just want to thank you for your word. <laughs> I want to thank you for your patience with us, Lord, that you tell us that we can be confident of this very thing, that you who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. And for Ali and I and for our family lord we're just honored we're just humbled to be given this privilege, Lord, we pray for our community. We think of of Brunswick and the thirty five thousand people that make Brunswick their home and we we ask Lord, that your name would be made great here. Lord. We pray that we would represent your loving kindness well to this community. We thank you for the churches that are in our region. We pray for Heartland Church. Dave Ambrose there. We pray for Christ Church and Columbia Station. Pastor Doc, um, we thank you for the other churches that are striving to lift up your name and to um, share the gospel clearly. And as hope fits into that number, Lord, I pray that this week we would be people who are not just hearers of your word, but that are doers of it, Lord, that that we would be people who um, don't just attend a church service, but that we leave here on a day like this, having encountered the living God. We love you. We thank you for this morning. We ask that you would um, bless this time. May it be productive. May it be honoring and glorifying to you. In Jesus' precious name, we pray. Amen. So, so this, um, this, this picture is not of me. Uh, I was asked if that was me. That is definitely not of me. But uh, I, one of my favorite things about um, my high school days was that I loved playing football. And I played defense. I was a linebacker. And one of the things that happens as a linebacker is, well, first of all, you look at this picture, it's much better being the guy who's standing up than the guy that's on the ground, right? And, and I learned really quickly as a linebacker that that there, there was this this full-on attention that was focused on if it was a pass or a run, and I'm focused towards what's happening, what's going on with the quarterback. And I learned really quickly that there's this thing called the crack block. Anybody played football before, they've heard this before. And what the crack block is, is that it's usually a tight end or a receiver where they're aware of the fact that you are focused in another place, and they are running full speed behind the place where you can see, and they can hit you pretty hard. In fact, I can remember getting hit hard, so hard one time that I did a perfect somersault in the air. Is that what it's called? And and as I my helmet hit the ground, and they hadn't invented concussions yet, you know. Um, but 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 I think I forgot who I was. Um, so if I forget your names, you know why? No. But, but what was interesting, and I learned really quickly, was that there were guys behind me. So often it would be uh, a safety. He'd be in the background there, and he'd yell, crack. And, and it was his way of saying, they're coming for you. And if you, in a split second, reacted, you usually outweighed, outweighed that guy by a few pounds, and you could put him on the ground like that. Now, that's a lot of fun as well. <laughs> now... In God's word today, we're going to open our Bibles, if you have them, to Luke chapter 5. And the physician Luke, the author of Luke, and the book of Acts, the disciple of Christ, is we're going to record a statement that shows an immediate reaction to the truth of God's word, and the end results in the life of Peter is going to be spectacular. That that he chose not to to wait and to hesitate, but he does this small act of obedience, just let's go. The Lord uses boat. And then after that, he takes another step of obedience and another step of obedience. And ultimately, what ends up happening is God gives Peter a front row seat. Do you remember what we know about Peter? That it's going to be on that rock, that God's going to build his church, that Peter is going to be given a front row seat to the things that God does in such a miraculous way through the work of the the Lord Jesus in front of him. But it, but it began with something that I want to challenge you in personally this morning. And that is when he heard the word of God, he identified it as the word of God. And he says, master, and then he chooses to take the step of action. And for you to get this message this morning, this is not just a message for us to say, I learned something. But it's actually a message for us to say that there are things that the Lord loves us. He cares about us so much that are coming at us. Sometimes it's things we avoid. Other times it's opportunities that are sitting right in front of us. And he says, crack. And you go, how high? How high? He says, yes, master. That's what Peter said. And then the text is so beautiful. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Luke chapter 5. We're going to begin in verse 1. This may be a familiar story to some of you, um, but, but my, my concern for us as we approach this is that we want to make sure that we understand. There's this next picture. I want you to see this. This is pretty funny. So, so um, like they're actually making these. This is a prototype. Can you imagine seeing somebody in Starbucks with one of these on? This is to block you out, right? So this is the noise cancellation, all immersive. You can't see anybody around you. And if I'm, if I'm really honest with myself and with you this morning, I would say that when it comes to God's word, that there are nudgings, there are things that he asks me to do, there's things that he says to me. And instead of saying, yes, Lord, I'm going to react immediately. Yes, master, because you said so, I'm in. That often it's that I choose to mute what God has to say to me. And I choose to say that I want to do it on my own timing or it doesn't make sense. There's, there's a counterintuitiveness to what God has to say to us sometimes. And in, in Peter's life, as we're going to see it, that his, his small step of obedience ultimately gives him such tremendous privilege. If you get one thing this morning, it's this statement I want you to catch. When we listen to the Lord and obey even the small things, we get to participate in the biggest things. There's a phrase that we'll see Peter say where he says, at your word, I will. The context of this passage in chapter 5 verse 1 is that, that there are individuals who've identified that Jesus is more than his education. He's more Than um, just a rabbi, a teacher, but that they look at him, and Luke's going to use this word, and it's powerful. He says that he's communicating the very words of God. It's radical to imagine a Jewish man articulating this so clearly. He says, On one occasion, we know it's the morning, it's after fishermen have been working on the Sea of Galilee. While the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear the very word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesareth. Some of you know this as the Sea of Galilee. It's a beautiful place if you ever get a chance to visit it. And it's not huge, um, seven miles by 12 miles, but it would have been an epicenter of the economy of those days. And, and you, you see this image of people crushing in around Christ. And, and, and what I love about that is that in that culture that day, if you didn't work, you didn't eat. fact, we get the example of the disciples that the ones that are in the boat, they're not paying attention to the message of Christ at this point. They're working. They're working all night. And these individuals are crushing in around him to see the message that he has to say. And, And here there's people who have decided that the bread of life is more important than their daily bread, that the living water is more important than their daily sustenance to hear the word of God, they crush in around him. And it says this in verse two, and he, this is Jesus speaking, he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Uh, this this description of the nets is a kind of fishing that they did at night. They used a certain kind of net the fish could see during the day, but they couldn't see at night. And daily they had to go through this ritualistic routine of fixing the nets. And so They're mending the nets. And we find out later that the guys are discouraged because they spent the night fishing. And remember, this isn't just like, I got to hang this over my fireplace kind of stuff. This is daily bread. This is their sustenance. And they're, they're fishing all night. They catch nothing. And so Jesus gets into the boat in verse three. It says he gets into one of the boats, which was Simon's. We don't know the dynamic that happened there. Did Jesus ask? Did he just get in? Peter's going, what's going on? But but what we see is that he asks Peter to put off a little from the land and Peter participates in it. He sat down and he taught the people from the boat. I don't understand the hand of Christ. I don't understand the mind of Christ. But what I believe is that he was teaching Peter something. And, and as Peter makes this step of obedience to the Lord, it's so small. Sure, you can use my boat. Yeah, I'll stop doing my work. He ends up having a... He gets in proximity to the Christ. He hears a message of hope. He hears the word of God. We don't even know what the message that Jesus was teaching At this time, but what we do know is that this small act of obedience yes, I will, yes, you can, yes, let's do it. This small act of obedience is what the Lord asks of Peter, and it's often what the Lord asks of us. This morning after the first service, there were several people that came up to me and they said, You know what, there's so many reasons for me not to do, and they said this, and they said, You know what. I've just decided I'm just going to take that first step. I'm going to do the first thing. I'm going to obey him in this thing. And you know what they're saying? The reason why they don't do that is that that they're just like me, that we work through the pros and cons, right? We get our checklists out and we say, yes, is this the time? Or can we afford it? Or is this what? And the reality is, is that Peter stands back and he models for us someone who chooses to obey the Lord. Do you remember what the Lord says to us about Tomorrow. He says, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow's going to have its own problems, right? Like there's a component of this that he says, trust me, today is what I'm asking of you. This is what I want. Do you remember what David says in Psalm 119? He says that your word is a lamp unto, what's he say? Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That's a pretty powerful image, isn't it? but we don't always get the destination, right? We get the next right step. So small obedience is what what Peter chooses to do. He follows the Lord. If you go into my office over here, um, you'll you'll see hanging on the wall is a yoke, a big wooden yoke, you know? And uh, I, I love this image of this statement when the Lord says, come to me when you're weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This take my yoke upon you and learn from me is a description of him saying, next right steps, this is what we do. Next right steps, next right steps, next right steps, obedience. Trust me, we got it. So here, Peter makes this leap. I love this picture. Do you guys like this? That's not me. Um, But uh, don't you think God wants us to be in this place? Uh, And a lot of times, like, I love the image of Peter getting out of the boat later, and this idea that he wants us to just trust him, right? He wants us to get out of the boat. He wants us to say, I'm all in. So here, Peter does one step, the domino falls, and then the next thing that the Lord does is that he opens up doors for him, one that's going to ultimately lead to tremendous blessing and also obedience, Nick Ripkin is a pseudonym for a missionary who was serving in Somalia. And he has titles of books that I love. One of them is The Insanity of God. And then the other is The Insanity of Obedience. Now, I've been a believer for a long time. And I'll just tell you, at times when God asks me to do something, it doesn't always add up. It doesn't always make sense. It isn't always crystal clear. The pros and the cons and the... And for some reason, I think that's what the Lord wants to do with us is that he wants us to get to the point where we go, what are you doing? Okay, I'm willing to do it. So when I I mentioned high school, I wasn't a great football player, but I love to participate. My my dad's over here. It's great to see my family over here. But my dad hosted a Christian club in his classroom when he was a high school teacher when I was growing up. And I attended the Christian club. It met on Fridays right after school. And um, I would be in the football off-season. I'd attended, loved it. It was great. And it grew so much that we had to leave a classroom. We had to go into an auditorium. It was amazing. But, but at the end of the year, of my junior year, the, the leader of that group had asked me. She'd said, um, Sean, I think that, um, would, you, would you like to lead this your senior year? And I remember thinking, well, that's on Friday. And as a football player, there's usually something happening on Friday after school. And so it didn't add up for me. But, what would end up happening? I can remember where I was, but for me, what I remember saying was lord if that 's what you 're asking me to do then i 'll do it and the story 's a long one, but the end result of it in my life was that there was tremendous fruit that came out of this this Christian club in the public school setting. It was amazing how um, God worked through that there 's still fruit coming out of that to this day it's just the timing didn 't make sense. It meant that I had to give up something that I loved, but but at the end of the day, the this, this central image that's so important is when we listen to the Lord and we obey even the small things, that we really get to participate in what I would say would be the biggest things. So Peter's words, at your word, I will. It's beautiful. It's powerful. Verse four, it says this, and when Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for catch. And Simon answered, uh, um, Master, uh, we toiled all night long. We took nothing. So, so isn't Simon like you, or Simon Peter like you and I so quickly? Like, do you not know? Have you not heard? We were up all night long. He's probably tired right now. There's no Starbucks to run to, right? He, he's exhausted. We caught nothing. Can you imagine the discouragement that was represented in that? And then the Lord, um, then he says this statement. Peter says the statement that's profound. He says, but at your word... I will let down the nets. Now, this wasn't just Peter letting down the nets. It means he had to grab the guys that were serving with him. They had to put the water, the boats back in the water. They had to take the nets that weren't the right nets for the job, we assume. And he goes out, and and here he, who knows, he maybe had to pay those guys overtime to join him. But it's all because he takes God at his word. I'm going to do it. You know, um, Charles Spurgeon said it this way. He's preached message after message on this particular passage. very <laughs> meaningful to him, like it is to me. He says, at your word has been the passage of all, password, I'm sorry, at your word has been the password of all good men from the beginning until now. Can you picture Noah. When he stands up and God says, I want you to build me a boat. He goes, you want me to do what? And how long is it going to take? What's it going to look like? Can you even picture Esther when she's given this opportunity to do something miraculous for her people? You think of Joshua where the Lord says, put your sword away and get out your trumpet. I want you to walk around this place that I want you to take. It's so easy for me to stand back and say, Lord, what do you, you want me to do? What? yesterday. Um, the check engine light came on our car, and I stopped in at a place to pick up some parts and to have them check it. And I just realized as I'm talking to the, the gentleman that's helping me out, like, this is exactly where the Lord wanted me to be right now. Like, whether he cares about my check engine light or not, I think he does. But, but that he, he chose to put me in a place where he wanted me to care about the person who was there. I don't know what your life looks like, but um, I can tell you that I've spent time in my life where I've ignored the nudgings of the Lord in my life. I've ignored his truth in my life. And there's other times when I'm just saying, I'm in, whatever you want to do, check engine lights, we're good. You know, let's do it. And and the end result is pretty powerful when you find yourself going, all right, Lord, that's your word. What you want, I'm in. We'll do it. I like how Spurgeon put it when he says, it's the password of all good men from the beginning until now, now, some of you are here, and you 're saying, "Well, you know what i really don 't hear much from the from god i, I don 't hear his voice very often in my life, and I want to be careful this isn 't necessarily that every day I wake up and God says, "I want you to go here, and then I want you to go there, and I want you to... he hasn 't done that that often in my life, but you you know what he 's done for me is that he 's shown me through his word that it 's not only um, a good book but it 's the living word." And I want to say to you, if you uh, pastorally over the last last 20 years, the most common thing that people say to me is, I can't hear the voice of God in my life. He's silent to me. And the follow-up question that I want to ask them is, what role does this play in your life? Because if you are not studying and listening and reading and spending time in God's word, then you're really showing that you don't care that much about hearing the voice of God. It's the living word. We have access to the author, the Holy Spirit, that we are granted this truth. But we have to find, ask ourselves the question when he says to us, is he telling the truth in Second Peter that his divine power has given us everything that we need for life and godliness through our, do you remember what he says? Through our knowledge of him who called us. That this this description, he says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind daily. (laughs) Nick Ripken, the author of that book that I mentioned to you earlier, he quotes a a persecuted believer and he says this, and this is so profound to me. He says, why would you give up in freedom what you would never give up in persecution? If If there were enemies that walked in today and wanted to put me in prison and they wanted to say, I'm going to take God's word from you, there's no way I'd let them do it, right? Or there'd be a fight, at least. Um, We'd go to blows. But can you imagine, brothers and sisters, that the way we treat God's word could show um, our, we could show really out of of our actions what value and place we put God's word in our life. Verse six goes on to say this. He says, and when they had done this, so, so they get out the nets. They do this counterintuitive act of obedience. God likes those in our life. This counterintuitive act of obedience. They enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat, come help them. They came and filled both the boats. So they began to sink. <laughs> Just reminded, God doesn't lack anything, right? Like that, this, this didn't surprise him. I have no idea why the that's were empty. I think God may have been involved in that process as well. But, but he reminds us, do you guys remember? Jesus plucked coins out of fish's mouths to pay his taxes that had the cattle on a thousand hills, we're told. He has the cattle on a thousand hills that multiplied water into wine. It would have been valuable. God doesn't have a lack problem. He doesn't need stuff. Um, he needs people who are willing to obey him. And in Peter's case, he was willing to give up his boat, he was willing to give up his morning, he was willing to give up his time, his, his, some of his resources, and God was going to choose to do something that was shocking, but led to the kind of abundance that a person can experience when they choose to follow the Lord. In fact, it was an abundance that really paled in comparison to the privilege of being the Christ. Ultimately, we see in the text later that they literally give up everything in order to follow the Lord. And it's a beautiful image. <laughs> so the third point this morning is taking God at his word, if we really choose to do this, it really changes everything. Brothers and sisters, in my own personal life, I'll say this to you with confidence, that every time that I've taken God at his word in my life, I've been blessed no question about it. Every time that I've chosen to say, yes, Lord, small acts of obedience, it's proven to be extremely fruitful in my life. So taking God at his word changes everything, and it sure changed Peter. Look what he says in verse 8. It says, but when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus's knees saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. Reminds me of Isaiah when he says, "Woe to me, I'm a man of unclean lips. This is what happens when you encounter the living God, is that you find yourself with a dose of perspective. (laughs) I'm not you. I'm here to serve you. I'm not even worthy to to be in your presence. But verse 9 goes on to say, for he and all who are with him were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. Do you get it? They, they, They understood that he's the king of kings, that he's the Lord of lords. Verse 10, and so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, co-workers of Peter, who are, who are partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid, for now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to the land, they left everything and they followed him. It's, it's interesting that it started with something small and then it ultimately went to everything. But, but I promise you that Peter's description, and we'd see it in the way he chooses to live his life, is that it was completely worth it. So for you today, a question for you, Hope Church, is, is the question of obedience. Do you? Do, do you remember the, the football illustration, the, 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 this, this, this description of a declaration? It's common. Are you going to pay attention to it? And I, think, I think for some of us, we, we choose to ignore it and we take our knocks. We, we choose to just say, uh, you know, that's, that's somebody else's job. But there's some individuals, I keep talking about 35,000 people in Brunswick, that, that there's a need in this community that's greater than, than us, it's greater than who's in this room, that there's a, there's a reality of the needs of Brunswick. And, and there's a part of this that, that I believe that the Lord is, is really saying to us in the same way that he said it to Peter that I want to use you as my tool to ultimately, in this case, he says, to be fishers of men. I want to take who you are, I want to sanctify it and I want to do something tremendous with it. When you encounter the living God, staying the same is really not an option. I, I, think, that, I think that that's just what he wants us to remember today. So, at your word was, tr- was Peter's tremendous reaction to the call of God. I, I don't know what your reaction is to the call of God. But I will tell you one thing about me. I, I just learned what this word is. My daughter's taught this to me. FOMO, have you ever heard this before? Fear of missing out. I, I confess, I have fear of missing out. So um, this, uh, this, this next picture, say, some say social media does it to us that we're seeing other people's outsides and we're comparing them with our insides. I think that's a great statement. But the fear I have of missing out isn't something that other people are experiencing when it comes to social media. It's just, I want to be a part. I want to be on the front lines of what God's doing in this community, then I think Peter modeled that for us in this message today. He, he models for us this in, in Luke chapter five, where he says, what, "What I ask of you is the next right step, the next right step of obedience." When we see this this picture of the the football players again, like I said before, there's there's a mighty big difference between being the guy who's standing above and the one who's on the ground, right? kind of great that it's a Michigan guy on the ground too, isn't it? Some of you noticed that? Just two of you noticed that? Brad, you did? You noticed that? So, so there's a part of this though that I, I want us to keep this image in our mind that he's saying, I love you. He's saying, I have a message for you. He's saying, I have a work for you to be done. And he's also saying to you and I that A plus B and my economy doesn't necessarily always add up. But I want to do something through you, and in many cases, it may mean that I want to change the world because of your obedience. Let's bow our heads together. Lord, we love you. and just thank you for your word, that you promise us it will not return void. I thank you for this simple message. Um, Lord, I, I pray that as a church, that we would not just be hearers, but we would be doers of your word. Lord, I pray for a burden for your community that's around around us that that would be palpable, that we would be people who would be willing to lay down what is comfortable for us, what our resources are, our our blessings, uh, the the comfort provision, whatever it is, in order to look at the world around us and say, I'm in, I'm ready to be a fisher of men, I'm ready to obey your call, Lord, Lord, I, I thank you for the example of Peter. I thank you for his words that are so crystal clear. But at your word, I will. May that be our story.